Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Freedom of Species, bringing animal advocacy to the airwaves. We are dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals, including animal advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and appreciation. We are broadcasting from Melbourne's 3CR studios. Live streaming and recent podcasts are available via the 3CR website. All podcasts are available from the Freedom of Species website and iTunes. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Emma Townsend. Three CR What are you supposed to do? Community Radio. What are you supposed to do? Eight five five. What are you supposed to do? I am. What are you supposed to do? My guest today is Athens Stefan. We met last week at the For the Love of Wildlife rally against canned hunting organised by Donnelia Patman. Now, Donnelia knows how to roll out a good rally. Yes, she does. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> she does, doesn't she? Look, there were spe- great speakers um, and attendees. Tracy Bartram emceed, Laurie Levy chatted, uh, Jason Wood, the federal Liberal MP for La Trobe, was there as well. What? Yes, he was. How has he been, you know, very proactive in this area? I think uh, raising awareness of the of the canned hunting industry, uh, along with Donna Lee, of course, and also other animal-related advocacy work that requires to be done. It was a, a fantastic rally. Look, there was even a prize for the best dressed. Yes, there was. <laughs> I, I think, there was. And a good prize. I think next time I'll be so dolled up in all, all things faux yes. lion. Yes, a lion suit would be <laughs> good in order. Absolutely. Look, Athens is here today uh, to discuss, among other things, how selfies have become a weapon of mass destruction for our big cats and other wildlife, uh, mainly big cats, and what questions we need to ask when sizing up a big cat sanctuary. Unfortunately, some sanctuaries are doing the wrong things by the animals they market themselves as rescuing, protecting and for conserving. Um, So welcome to the studio, Athens. It's great to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, can you tell us about the groups you represent in your advocacy for big cats and briefly what they advocate for? 
Okay, well, I belong to an advocacy group called People Against Canned Hunting, Patch for short. Well, mainly what we do is we raise awareness concerning canned hunting, cup petting, the practices of safari organisations and their rhetoric concerning the animals they hunt, um, which is quite vocal, by the way. And we also highlight the work of other advocacy organisations like Lion Aid, Dr Peter Catt, Cash uh, Canned Hunting, that's Chris Mercer for Cash, and we also highlight the horrors of canned hunting in the lion in the industry and its associated petting trade from the start, where it starts, with cup petting, to the end result, which is the lion being killed for a trophy. What actually is canned hunting? A canned hunt is a trophy hunt in which an animal is kept in a confined area, a fenced-in area, thereby increasing the likelihood of the hunter obtaining his kill. Basically, that's what it is. And, of course, the most common is animal being used is the lion. Thousands of lions are bred on farms with the end aim of having them shot by wealthy foreign hunters. At the moment, um, there are about 200 or so lion farms in, in South Africa which breed lions specifically for this, for this very reason, for the, for the rich, for the well-connected, well, you know, wealthy Americans, or in, in, and they also come from Europe as well, to go over there and hunt their trophy. A lot of these lions in these farms are kept in appalling conditions, you know, where, you know, in a 10 by 10 pen or enclosure, there could be an enormous amount of lions kept in, you know, very poor conditions. And that and that also makes them, you know, breed as well because they need to breed to keep the, the upkeep of the of the cubs, you know, to keep the, the whole process in motion, you know. Mm. So and the, and the operators behind these parks like to think that they are making you know the dreams of these the hunters come true by you know offering them an experience of a lifetime to hunt you know one of the the, the you know the king majestic predators these, of the world yeah, yeah. These, these majestic predators and of course the most outrageous lie of all comes from the mouths of these hunters you know they they don't consider themselves killers of these animals they they cons- consider themselves you know conservationists they're conserving these these animals which, you know, is another topic altogether. But that's basically what it is. Mm. So it seems like there's a real, I've heard, a factory farming of lions going on. Oh, yes, Can we yes, just yes. go over, like the canned hunting is indeed one part of this mm-hmm. cruel cycle in a lion's all-too-short life in the industry. Can we uh, just go through step-by-step step that cycle in the, li- in the lion's life in this industry? Mm-hmm. So you have... The cub lines are born. Yes, Can yes. you take us yeah. through that? Well, there are a lot of cub petting facilities in South Africa as well. What they do is they breed cubs, they breed them, and very quickly they take them away from their mothers at a very young age to be hand reared. Um, and the hand rearing oftentimes, well, all the time, occurs by volunteers that are clueless to these, to the, to what really goes on, and to tourists that want to experience that once-in-a-lifetime interaction with a wild animal, you know, an apex predator. And how seductive that is. It's it very, you know, very, especially that. if you love animals, you know, and you think and you look at that and you think, oh, my God, you know, I, I want to go over there and I want to hold a cub. I want to hold this, this little lion, you know, because it doesn't happen all the time. You know, where, where is it going to happen? So yes, it's it's very uh, the industry lures the volunteers and and tourists to do this very thing, and the and the rhetoric that they throw out there is, is that they're you know conserving and rescuing and helping and, but but it's not 
It's not. I mean, if you dig deep enough and if you do your research properly and you educate yourself before you go out there, you will know that it's, it's not the case. And, you know, and they have a very short lifespan, these cubs. You know, they reach a certain age, they're no longer of use, and then they will be sold off to, to the canned hunting farms. Okay, so it seems like you've explained there's a couple of things going on there. There's the tourist that wants the quick, mm. happy snap with the cute little lion cub. So there's money to be made from that. Oh, yes, yes. And there's also, you're saying there's be people from all around the world going to volunteer at certain sanctuaries mm. in Africa think they are doing a good thing by helping out the cause to conserve this mm. beautiful species. And as I understand, I think Donalia said that some of these places you have to pay as a volunteer oh, yes, to go over you do. there. Yes, like yes, something yes. like a thousand dollars a week. Yeah, it can go up. Yes, yes, it can be a, more than that as well, depending which which farm, which supposed sanctuary you go to. Yes. So it's just a marketing tool. To, yes. You yes, know, it really, is. you think you're going over there to help out, mm -hmm. and the conservation part of it is marketing spin. Oh yes, it yeah. is. Yes, and you're yes. petting these. Yes. You're, interacting with these animals mm. from an early age, which I guess is an artificial yeah. environment for mm. the animal to have. Yeah. What other industries is the lion being exploited for? There's the, the byproduct of the killed animal as well. I mean, the bones. You know, I, I think in, in the little bit of research that I have done, you know, farmers can make that extra, extra money by selling off the byproducts, the bones. These bones will go off to the Asian market where wine will be made, where medicine will be made, you know, medicinal products where the use of these bones, you know, will cure a variety of illnesses, which really, it just hasn't been scientifically proven. But how do you change the mindset of, you know, centuries old practices again that that's another topic so mm, yeah, yeah but, that, but that, they're the byproducts can be used there's more money to be made selling that off and also the walking of the lines the walking of the lines that, you know yeah. the walking of the lines which a lot of sanctuaries do i think the cubs are the cubs are in an adolescent stage at that point you know they're not fully they're not adults at that point because if they, i mean when they reach adulthood they really it's a bit of a problem it becomes very problematic so the cubs are adolescents yeah, so there's a variety of things. And I think one of the, you know, volunteers, when they go over there, they're going to be told, just going back to that, um, there are five, uh, you know, things that these sanctuaries the, that will tell the volunteers that they are doing, which lures them in, you know. Number one is volunteering promotes conservation. Well, no, it doesn't, you know. The cubs are orphans whose parents were killed by poachers or were rejected by their mother. Well, they're false because the establishments, you know, these establishments like to spin sob stories to gullible tourists. You know, mothers, well, you know, it's very rare that the mothers will kill their cubs. But then, you know, the statistics on that, are, again, it's something else that needs to be looked into, you know. When they are adults, the cubs will be reintroduced into the wild. Well, I don't think there's ever been a successful story of a, of a captive lion being released into the wild. Right, yeah. You know, they're incapable of fending for themselves in the wild. You know, again, you have to educate yourself. Yeah, because they've been so hand-reared. Yeah, they've, they've been so, they've been humanised. They've been hand-reared by humans, you know, that do everything for them. That 
they would know how to hunt once they get out there. Lion breeders are contributing towards the dwindling numbers of lions in the wild. There's been a fantastic documentary made, Blood Lions, and Ian Mishler addresses that very question. You know, how, it, can't be, it can't be done because the gene pool is useless, first of all. You know, they're in, in bread. There's so many questions. There are, there are, there are an, an enormous amount of questions and there's an yeah. enormous amount of educating one has to do before they head over there to do this. There's a lot of rhetoric, false rhetoric that's given out there for the volunteers and the tourists, which most, most, unfortunately most of the time they believe because they don't know any better or is it, they're just too lazy perhaps to, to do investigating of their own. We are chatting with Athens Stefan from uh, People Against Canned Hunting and we are talking about how big cats are, are really demanding our attention and we, we must start <laughs> roaring on their behalf, mustn't we, and really... Scratch the surface a little deeper when we, when we see these advertisements for sanctuaries in Africa claiming to work on behalf of the conservation of the big lion. You are tuned in to Freedom of Species Animal Advocacy on the airwaves and we are talking, well, all things big cat sanctuaries and the many concerns we have how we are treating this majestic predator in the world. Uh, we are chatting with Athens Stefan from People Against Canned Hunting. Athens, can you tell us, this, this area really intrigues me, about how the selfie with the big cat has become a weapon of mass destruction when it comes to cub petting. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it absolutely is a phenomenon, isn't it? Mm. Um, yes, it's very concerning. Uh, I think it instantly gratifies, you know, the taker of these selfies, you know, their instant gratification in interacting with these cats and, the, and having that lasting memory. And, and, and then and also, you know, posting, posting that selfie on social media, you know, look at me, look what... I'm doing, look what I'm holding, look what I'm feeding, walking. It's having that recognition, I think. But it's almost like a trophy hunt in itself, yes, it is. isn't yes. it? Am I getting yes. too poetic? <laughs> well, actually, that's a, that's a great, you know, comparison. It is, actually, when you think about it, it is. But it's, it's just, it's done, on a, it's done on an acceptable level because, you know, selfies is so ingrained into the popular culture and what this generation does. And it is all about having that selfie, that one selfie for instant gratification. And, and unfortunately, they exploit the very animals that we're trying to save and trying to protect against this narcissistic, and it is, it's, it's extremely narcissistic, so we're talking specifically about, uh, we're talking with Athens here specifically about taking photographs of getting seducted into taking that quick happy snap of yourself with a beautiful lion cub or indeed big cat cub mm. of any kind, whereby we have not questioned what we're doing and quickly we post that on social media. And the profound effects of that so-called advertising has a very sinister side 
as we've discussed, yes, doesn't exactly, it? So it, the power exactly. of social media, we're still trying to reckon with and work it out is. what it's doing. Yeah. But unfortunately, it seems to have amplified the cub petting trade. It has. Because people know that, oh, we can make money from, you know. Yes, yes indeed. Yes, yes and, indeed. Yeah, and unfortunately I've seen, I think, on your Facebook page, uh, uh, awful images and um, videos of very drugged out lions. Yes. Being people mm. being charged like $20 Australian mm. or whatever for quick happy pick. It's put mm. on social media. They're taking advantage of a social media event, so to speak, to make money. That's, that's what it is. It's a money-making ploy. So we really need to question, um, you know, our fingers can be pretty trigger-happy on Facebook oh, yes, and Instagram. Can. <laughs> yes, Pardon the pun, but they can, you know, in this world of just pressing a button and liking mm. stuff, we've really got to stop and start asking questions. And be aware yeah. of the ramifications, really. Can cub petting in any way, though, Athens, be a positive tool in itself in a campaign against cub petting what what are your thoughts on that can it bring about any awareness or no i don't think so no i really i really there's just no way of advertising it or bringing awareness to to showcase it as a positive thing towards the animal no cool we also must start asking questions in the very least, when it comes to sanctuaries, mm. uh, we feel are exploiting the very nature of sanctuary and, in fact, contributing to the very structure of animal expo- exploitation they claim to fight against and undermining the good work of other sanctuaries. Athens, what are your concerns and questions here when it comes to sanctuaries who claim they are acting with the best interest of big cats in mind what sorts of questions should we be asking in order to sizing up the sanctuaries? Well, you know, um, our concerns really um, clash with what we've, what we see out there with with a lot of foundations and sanctuaries, you know, so called sanctuaries and what they're doing, you know, and it all it all comes down to the ethical management of these cats in captivity and how well they're going to be cared for so the the sort of questions we have you know you know is it safe to interact with big cats you know you have to keep in mind that by the sanctuaries that are the ethical sanctuaries the people working in those sanctuaries they've been doing they've been working with cats for decades so they're able to recognise the cat's behaviour and when that cat is going to do something is about to do something that is going to harm for example, you know, is there enough acreage to keep these big, big cats in there? The intermingling of the different species of cats. Cats have a hierarchy, so their behaviours when it comes to their hierarchy is going to be an issue as adults and, and that kind of thing. So we're, we're talking about questions like that, questions that, that need expert advice they require expert advice and comes from expert, not not from people that are just in it for the immediate fame and glory or for for you know saying that they're they're doing something when they really have no idea in the long term. In the long term, what is that also going to mean for the cats in the long term as well? You are tuned into Freedom of Species on three CR eight double five AM and we are chatting with Athens Stefan from People Against canned hunting and at the moment we are sizing up the big cat sanctuary the nature of it itself and what questions we should be asking 
Before we go on, we're just going to have a little bit of a tune, Vegan Smythe, and it's called Animal Lover. You could travel around the whole of planet Earth Asking every man and woman, boy and girl But no matter what their race or age or girth They would answer with these self-same sacred words I'm an animal lover I'm an animal lover And I love my dog so much as long as he doesn't slobber and sits when I say sit. Woof, woof. I'm an animal lover and I love my cat so much. As long as she doesn't lose her hair and cover my chair with shit. Meow, meow. I'm an animal lover and I love my bird so much. As long as he doesn't sing too loud and flap around like a twit. Tweet, tweet. All my life is so abundant with joy and gaiety Cause God's given all these animals to me I'm an animal lover I'm an animal lover And I love my cow so much As long as she's sliced and cooked just right Never overdone Moo, moo I'm an animal lover And I love my chicken so much As long as she's mulched and crumbed and fried And served up in a bun I'm an animal lover And I love my pig so much Cause ham in a sandwich dearly pleases nearly everyone Oink! All my life is so abundant with joy and gaiety Cause God's given all these animals to me I'm an animal lover Sometimes I don't know which way to go To eat a fish or catch a fish or watch fish in a bowl Sometimes I don't know which path to take To pat the ruse in the national park or eat a kangaroo steak I'm an animal lover I'm an animal lover that nobody can deny And I couldn't watch one suffer, it would surely break my heart I'm an animal lover I'll sing it to the sky And I dream of being a vegan But lentils make me fart mm. I'm an animal lover And cruelty makes me cry But sometimes I'm not sure Where loving ends and cruelty starts Oh, my life is so abundant With joy and gaiety Cause God's given all these animals to me Oh, I'm an animal lover Yeah, I'm an animal lover are you an animal lover? You are tuned into Freedom of Species on 3CR 855 AM and that was a, a tune by Vegan Smythe called I'm an Animal Lover. We are chatting with Athens Stefan today from People Against Canned Hunting and we're sizing up the big cat sanctuaries. Athens, you have very big concerns and questions for a sanctuary in Mexico that has like how many likes and Instagram followers? Oh, look, at this, at this point in time, over 5 million followers. This sanctuary has posted so many photographs of celebrities with lion cubs yes. and, and therefore endorsing what, yes. what he's doing. And you have serious questions of which you have offered a right of reply or and yes, many other have. people have. Yes. Can you just tell us what answers you are wanting from them and, and how does the way in which they are coming across differ to the educated experts in the field of big cat behaviours and the ethical treatment of these animals in captivity? 
how it appears that this sanctuary, and I'm sure there are others, conflict with you know, what, what is the more ideal way of keeping cats in captivity? It goes back to what we were discussing previously in terms of the questions that we want to answer. You know, is it safe to interact with big cats? Is it safe to have celebrities interact with these adolescent cats? There was one video posted on Facebook of uh, one of the Kardashians going into a big pen where they, I think there were three or four adolescent cats I think one of the younger sisters and Chloe visited his sanctuary and he was actually on their show as well. So she's sort of standing behind him and he's with his arms out trying to ward off these cats that are coming towards them. And So and she's in the enclosure. Yeah, she's in the so enclosure. So celebrities are allowed, uh, often shown yes. going into enclosure, yes. handling the... Yes, the and also in the big house where the cubs are being raised, sleeping in closets and raised by housekeepers so so the question is how safe is it does he have the correct permits in place with the mexican government to allow the public to come in and interact with these with these adolescent cats we don't see much of the big rescued cats from the circuses we really are of the opinion that you know they don't offer you know that draw card you know that cuteness factor of what his little baby cubs do in the big house Another question is, has he got enough acreage, you know, to, to house his 200-plus cats that he's rescued? Again, it, 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 you have to sort of know about handling these adult cats. You know, when they become adults, it goes back, it goes to the, the hierarchy, etc., etc. So in terms of having celebrities come in and raise awareness, we don't see how that Works, And we want to ask him the question, well, how can you have a Kardashian come in and raise awareness of, of saving these animals when, where you don't advocate against cub petting, you don't advocate against canned hunting, and you have a person come in who, who her and her sisters have ridden a baby elephant. And, now, and for those of us that are in the animal advocacy world, now we know how those baby elephants are trained. You know, their 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 legs are tied. They're forced to kneel. They're trained with a bull hook, you know, into their skin. It's it's quite abusive. So it's like having this is what I compare it to. It's like having a meat eater advocate for veganism. That's what I liken it to, and and that to me, straight away, shoots your credibility right down the drain. You know, you, you, you can't have that. That is not the way to advocate for animal welfare. So it's cub petting. For... Yes. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and these and these celebrities, they are followed by an enormous amount of of people on social media. And it just sends out the wrong message. It really does. It sends out the wrong message. It's saying he's he, what the, what he's saying is. Look at my Avagant Foundation. I am progressive, and this is how I raise awareness. And he also raises awareness by hashtagging, you know, save the planet and not pets. But the very thing he does is he uses them like pets, especially the cubs in the big house. They're very much humanised. They're handled. They're imprinted. And, and it really worries us. It worries us a great deal. What is it called? White tiger. It's black jaguar, white black tiger. Black jaguar, white tiger is the sanctuary that you have 
big concerns yes. about. Is the fact that a sanctuary, you think, is not accredited by the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries a reason to cause alarm, do you think? I mean, I don't know much about... That is a very, very good question. Now, he just received his... He's not a non-for-profit in Mexico, right? But he did get his a non-for-profit status in the US. This occurred in January. That's the the 501c3, right? And that all that means is that he's, you know, he's able to give out tax deductible receipts for people that make donations. Now, in terms of the GFAC, their intents and purposes are, are really are really good. But I did a bit of research on them. They are short-staffed. You know, they don't have the proper amount of inspectors to go out and you know, monitor these sanctuaries and to ensure that they follow all the guidelines of GFAS. He's not accredited, accredited by. by them at all. Now, what this means in terms of him being in the United States now as a non-for-profit, I'm not too sure. You know, that, that there are other things that we need, you know, they need to be addressed by other people. So the questions you have to him are, okay, where is he sourcing the lion cubs from as well? Or Well, he, he's... Um, well, Profipa have handed over a lot of rescued cats from circuses. It's the cubs that we are more concerned about because he does have a very large influx of them, which is, and it's no secret because he posts everything on social media. It's all there for the world to see. A good question. He says that he gets them from breeders. He has stated that he buys them. And if you go onto the CASH website, you will read a fantastic article by Chris Mercer. It's called Buying is Not Rescuing. That's the campaign against canned hunting. hunting. yes. Okay. You know, yep. Chris Mercer did a fantastic article on that. He says that he gets them from roadside zoos and also from private zoos as well. There was also a post, and now this is also very curious as well. It's, it's extremely curious and we would love an answer and... And this is one of the questions that we will be asking him is in one of his Instagram video posts, he, he mentioned a cub called Sonny and he was there at the cutting of the umbilical cord. So that raises, immediately that raises the question, in what situation were you able to be in in order for you to cut that umbilical cord? And also buying them from breeders so which perpetuates the, it, you're giving these establishments yes, money yes, to it, keep it, doing what they're yeah, doing it, it continually perpetuates you know the breeding and it's a business when money exchanges hands it becomes a business transaction it's not saving it's not saving it's a, it is a business transaction pure and simple so those are the questions. We want answers. And now perhaps being in the United States uh, with a 501c3, he may be able to answer those questions at some stage because there are very, very strict guidelines to having a status like that. So we'll wait and see. We'll see what happens. And I th- it, by the sounds of it, your questions here are real. You're very frustrated as to why he's not answering these questions mm. because it really does, I guess, for you... It takes away attention from other sanctuaries that you consider, People Against Can Hunting, consider to be ethical sanctuaries that are doing a really good job. And that's it's unfortunate that there can't be transparency there. No. And obviously you would be open to communicating 
with these sanctuaries in that respect to maybe turn them around or Mm. influence their way of going about business. But as I understand it, you've been and other advocates have been continuously shut down and Mm. they're landing on deaf ears or your questions when it comes to these establishments. And I think it's important to note that there'd be more than one sanctuary doing this, obviously. Oh, oh, of course. I mean, you've got the Joe Exotics in the US, uh, a lot of smaller private little zoos that do exactly the same thing. Yeah. They're, they're, they're all over the US. They're, they're, they're everywhere. They're in Mexico. They're in Ensenada in Mexico. You know, they're, they're everywhere. But, the, you know, the, the difference is, the difference is that this black jaguar white tiger, tiger have over 5 million followers. And let me tell you, reading a lot of their, their comments on his page and on his Instagram, what is the one thing that they want to do? That the one thing that they want to do is to pet a cub, hold a cub, feed a cub, walk the lion, and where does that lead? Where does that go to? It flows straight over there into South Africa and does the very thing that we're fighting against. So this is why he he needs to to allow the the, the professionals to come in and, and work with him. But, but he won't, you know, he, he's... Has he, there been offers of that? Uh, yes, there has and, been, yes, yeah. yes, yes, there has been. So he, he just knocks it right on their head. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame, really. It's a shame. It's, it's, it's a detrimental to the little cubs that he has in his care. So basically you've organised like a tweet storm for calling for a transparency with this particular sanctuary, can you tell us about how can people get involved? How does it work? Okay, then we've got a great lady on board our team, um, Joanne Thompson, who organises these fantastic tweet storms. I mean, we've, she's done you know one for canned hunting, uh, cub petting, exposing wildlife, exporting wildlife. So we've got one coming up on the 16th, calling upon him to answer these questions. And there'll be questions that we've discussed here as well. So, And they'll be accompanied by a lot of his social media posts. So it's not, it's not as if we're going to be plucking things out of thin air and, you know, just putting them on there. There's something that has been put out on social media. So we'll see how that goes. And if people want to get involved, where do they go to? Your website or...? Um, we do have an event page. Event page, excellent. Right. Yeah. Um, I- and we do have a thunderclap announcement as well. We are chatting with Athens Stefan from People Against Canned Hunting. We are sizing up the big cat sanctuaries. And what steps do you think can be taken, apart from your tweet storm, in order to Im- improve the future of big cats overall? Is it more of a legislative thing that we need to do? Like, Well, I think, you know, a lot of the legislation that's been in place, um, it's all well and good. You know, Australia was one of the first countries to ban the imports of trophies, animal trophies coming into the country, which is absolutely fantastic, thanks to the great work of Greg Hunt and Don Leah Patman and, and France followed with that as well. I think there needs to be 
a moral value placed on these legislations as well, you know. How do you mean? At the moment, the value that is placed on animals, you know, the, the exploitation of animals is very much an economic an economic one, you know. We, we need, when we make legislation, we need to make sure that it's a kind of legislation that is, that encompasses the moral of why we're doing that legislation as well. I don't think there's enough moral value placed on sentient beings, really. I, I really don't, and I think that's where it, a lot of it falls apart, you know. It, it's Exploitation comes hand in hand with money, so it's a long battle. It's, it's, a, it's a big fight. It really is a cultural... Yeah, as well, so... In Australia, I think we think, what, why should we be worrying about lions? You know, they're in Africa, they're overseas. But for me, this campaign that you work on and other organisations, it is really important because it is the global predators yes, that we're really, we've, we've really dis- destructed and we've really tried to do our utmost in bringing down their populations and making a mockery of their place in the wildlife. In many respects, hunting's a big issue here as well. It is. We know there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that want to bring trophies back into oh, yes, Australia yes. and that people that enjoy that whole hunting side oh, of yeah, life. Oh, yeah, there are. There will always be. Yeah, <laughs> there will yeah, always be hunters. Yeah, so it's very important, I think, probably in Australia because we do have a lot of people that go over there and yes, they help, do. help yes. in the cons- yes. that conservation side of it. So they it's do. really important. Look, I know lots of vet nurses and people mm, that mm. save up and they don't earn a lot of money, and that's one of their first things they want to yeah, do is go right. to Africa and help out with conservation. Mm. You've really got to scratch the surface you of do. these places. as you They do. know what they're doing. They know how their businesses run, so you've really got to do your research. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, Athens, where can people actually go if they're really interested in going to Africa and and having that experience where they want to be with lions or... Um, be part of conservation. Yeah. Do you have? Where should they there go is to a find really, out? There's a really, really good Facebook page called Volunteers in Africa Beware. Okay, on the top of their page, they they've got a list of the best places to go and do the, their conservation work without any interaction whatsoever, and their volunteer work, and right down to the very, very worst. Oh, it's okay. it's a great big long list. So. But all these things are available, you know, on the internet as well. It's just a matter of Googling. I mean, Google is just a wonderful, wonderful invention. So you can, you can Google anything and you, it will come up. It's a matter of being motivated to do it. Are you motivated to find out what is the best place to go to and what is the worst place to go to? Yeah. It's, it's, it's motivation, really. And don't believe everything you, you read and, and see. Don't be gullible. Going back to black jaguar, white tiger, it's like Pat Craig from the Wildlife Sanctuary in the US said something very, very interesting to us in that, you know, his followers, they don't have a clue about big cat behaviours and, and the welfare of big cats in captivity. But if if Syria was looking after dogs, right, and we all know about dogs, we all know how to take care of them and what they need to be comfortable and happy and safe, and if we were to be doing something wrong to them, right, the whole world would know. You know, the, the, the five million plus followers would immediately know that there's something wrong, right? Yes. But because they don't know and they don't want to dig deeper and further about, you know, the ethical management of apex predators in captivity, they take at face value what he is doing. 
And it, again, it is all about doing the research. Don't be gullible. Don't believe and see whatever you hear. It's not about fame. It's not about money. First and foremost, it is the ethical of ethical management of these cats in captivity, their future well-being, and their safety. And they're not there to be exploited in any form whatsoever by people and the public. They're just not. So any uh, photograph, mm. uh, when you see that, you know, little cubs are available to be photographed, any snappy... S- steer away steer from Steer away. Absolutely. Steer away from them. Because, you know, these little cubs, they're snatched away from their mothers, you know, which is very traumatic for the mother as well. They're imprinted. They're continually handled. They need to have an X amount of hours to sleep per day. But they're passed around. They're in, 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 another, in another post that he had put up on social media, he took one of his cubs to a television show in Mexico called, well, anyway, it was a television show. Um, this little cub would have been only about a couple of weeks old. And it was passed around to the co-anchors of the show, you know, handled, kissed. Well, that little cub passed away. Wow. So, you know, it, it handling handling wildlife at that age is just extremely dangerous. It's it, it it's life threatening for them. And it's heartbreaking, it really is. It's heartbreaking. We are speaking with Athens Stefan from People Against Canned Hunting and we are she's really demanding that we ask questions when it comes to animal sanctuaries that are claiming to do be doing a job of raising awareness for the problem that happens at the moment with big cats and, you know, they are pretty much part of an industry at the moment which is not only horrific, it really traps big cats into this cycle Cycle, of exploitation where they start off being something cute to be photographed with for tourists and then they may be a part of a Walk With Lions program then they become probably part of a canned hunt when they get too boisterous for the walking. Mm. So they're put in an artificial enclosure, really. That's right. Yes. Maybe drugged. Who knows? Sometimes for someone to pay fifty thousand yes. dollars or whatever to come and get mm-hmm. their head as a trophy, and then they can or can and or be sold, uh, their carcass sold for to create blood wine and medicine, uh, t- yeah. which was tiger wine. But I understand we've. Yeah, well, they're run low on tigers. Yes, they've run very low on tigers. Yes, yes. Horrible. So now they've gone on to the next best thing. Yeah. Mm. So please get on board. People against canned hunting. People against canned hunting slash. And help with their tweet storm. Mm -hmm. Yes. What else can we do? Anything else to. Well, I think it would be a fantastic idea for people, you know, in order to educate themselves to go to LionAid, which is at www.lionaid.org. Dr. Peter Cat has a wealth of information for everybody. Another one is uh, Cash, and that is www.cannedline.org. You know, there have been a number of really great articles written about, you know, false conservation. One would be Jacqueline Bill's article, Fooling Millions with False Conservation, and that would be at www.jacquelinebills.com. 
Now, another absolutely fantastic, fantastic program, it's in the United States, it's called The Voice of America. It's a radio program with Ellie Weiss. Um, and she has some great people on board that talk about all the the conflict and the and the issues facing, you know, Africa and her wildlife, you know. Um, she had recently Nick Lynch and prior to that, Johnny Rodriguez, who who do a lot of really, really good work. And they're very interesting people to listen to and you learn a great deal from them. So, you know, it's just a matter of educating yourself and getting the right answers and and not be fooled of by what you see. It's not what it seems. It's not on the surface. That's not the way it is. Yeah. Scratch a little deeper. You scratch a little deeper. For our big cat feline Mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. And also for the love of wildlife, go to their webpage. They've also got some great merchandise on their page as well. Great prezzies. Uh, Thank you so much for coming in, Athens. Oh, thank you for having me and thank you for giving me this opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Pleasure. Please come back and let us know how it all goes. want to see how a busy radio station works? Do you want to know how over 300 broadcasters come together to produce radio 24-7? Are you interested in seeing the inside of a radio studio? Or do you want to find out more about 3CR's unique radio philosophy? Let me take you on a station tour. For $90, 3CR offers one-hour radio station tour for groups at a time that suits you. Radio. So if you're part of a community organization, student group, or institution, give 3CR a call on 94198377. For more information about radio station tours at 3CR, go to 3cr.org.au and click on Station Tours. You are listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR 855 AM. Just one... Community service announcement this Friday, if you're in Melbourne, April 15th, Shake and Not Purred. It's a great cocktail night. I think we all need a drink or a mocktail. Uh, Friday, April 15th, 7 p.m. to 10.30 at Aura Cafe Restaurant Bar to raise money for the wonderful work that Maneki Neko Cat Rescue does. So please go to the Maneki Neko Cat Rescue website for more details. I better skedaddle because we've got in Psychedelia, which is a great program about all things drugs. Uh, they're about to barge into the studio and eject me from the chair. Uh, so thank you so much for coming in, Athens. And also, if you would like to contact us, please do on info at freedomofspecies.org, Facebook, Twitter or the website. See you next week, everyone. Have a great week and please bring up in conversation any photograph of someone holding a pet cub needs to be questioned and really bring about this awareness that even though a celebrity may be cuddling a pet cub or in in an enclosure with these beautiful wild animals, don't let that endorse this terrible industry of cruelty.
I'm just going to look for a little outro tune here uh, that, oh, here we go. What about vegan myths debunked? Hey, Ivory. Yeah, Jonathan. You're vegan, right? Yes, that's right, I am. Can I ask you some questions then? Sure, man. Of course you can. Are you ready for the questions then? What are you waiting for? Where do you get your protein? Protein, protein. Only meat has protein. So where do you get your protein? Actually, lots of things have protein. Beans have protein. Greens have protein. Fruits and nuts have protein. Greens and seeds have protein. And here's the thing that's so obscene. Don't need so much protein. Most people eat more than they need. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.